0: hello americans hello south dakotans welcome to the dakota rustler show aiming to keep america its citizens and minds free now here's your host daryl root Hello and welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show. This is episode number 86, getting ever closer to that magical 100. Thank you for tuning in. I do not say that nearly enough. Once again, thank you for tuning in. I thank you even more so if you subscribe to any of these channels that this is on, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, or anywhere else else naturally i have to give my usual shout out to Danheim, the provider of my music who allows me to use it for free in exchange for a shout out to them we're going to be on a number of topics today as you probably noticed the last couple episodes i've not had a main topic and i think i'm going to keep going that way i'm just going to present five or six stories every week and make comments on them Of course, you can go to dakotarustler.org. There are links there to become a member, make one-time donations. There's also links to my store, which is store.dakotarustler.org. You can help support the show that way. Any type of help is appreciated. Once again, thank you. I don't say it enough. So let's get right into tidbits with story number one. Alarm as U.S. states pass very concerning anti-homeless laws. Numerous anti-homeless laws are being passed across the U.S. as funding for social services is widely reduced, raising welfare concerns among advocates for the unhoused. I don't know how they're being reduced. The government always increases everything. In Missouri, a new state law that took effect on January makes it a crime for any person to sleep on state property, which pretty much just leaves private property and federal property. For unhoused people, sleeping in public parks or under city highways could mean up to 750 in fines or 15 days in prison for multiple offenses well if they're homeless they already have no money and then you want to fine them another 750 which they don't have that pretty much says you're going to be in jail but hey at least they're going to have a home in jail so yeah they may just stay homeless in order to get that free home Homelessness advocates have decried the law, claiming that it unfairly targets Missouri's homeless populations. The law was signed by Missouri's governor, Mike Parson, last June. When people experiencing homelessness have criminal justice histories, it is difficult to find housing, wrote a person with the last name of Hoon in a May 2022 letter to the governor's budget office, citing the law's criminal consequences. Other cities and local municipalities in America have also passed measures targeting homeless individuals through criminal consequences or forced hospitalization. Notice the word forced. In August, the Los Angeles City Council voted to ban homeless encampments within 500 feet of schools and daycares. Protesters marched through downtown Chicago in November to protest against the city's announcement that donated winterized tents for homeless people had to be removed for street cleaning. The city later confirmed that the tents did not have to be taken down, but could be moved elsewhere so obviously they'd be moved again when they want to clean that area under the new york mayor eric adams city officials outlawed houseless people i don't know what the difference between houseless and homeless is from sleeping on the city subway system or riding the trains all night hey some of these may make sense some of them don't you be the judge Last September, California's Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law a law that would force people with certain mental health conditions to comply with treatment if first responders, family members, or others ask a judge. Ah, shouldn't that just be left up to like first responders and family members who know this person? Others? Really? Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, announced during a business forum last December that he supports lowering the threshold to involuntarily hospitalize unhoused people, according to the Oregon Public Broadcasting. Uh, involuntarily housing, uh, let me, involuntarily hospitalizing. Yeah, uh, isn't that great? And he wants to lower the standards for that. This I don't know what the answer to homelessness is, but penalties, fines, forced hospitalization is not the answer, and you'll notice all these cities are heavy Democrat strongholds. They care about the poor? Really? Number two. The US Federal Trade Commission proposed a rule that would ban companies from requiring workers to sign non-compete provisions as well as some training repayment programs which companies use to keep workers from leaving for better jobs. This all has to do with non-compete clauses when you start working for a place. Non-compete agreements block workers from freely switching jobs, depriving them of higher wages and better working conditions, according to the FCT chair Linda Kahn. I'm going to give my opinion on this at the end of the story. The proposed rule is the latest sign from the Biden administration of its support for labor, including backing a measure to make it harder for an employer to classify a person as an independent contractor, which in itself is terrible. We should be encouraging independent contractors, not discouraging it. Uh why? Well, the government makes the argument that it means fewer benefits and legal protections. As I've said before in this show, I've been a subcontractor, independent contractor. That's the way I want it. I want to make my own benefits. I want to make my own vacation. To me, the freedom is worth not having company benefits. The rule would require companies with existing non-complete agreements to scrap them and to inform current and past employees that they have been canceled. Uh, For one, that's unconstitutional. I forget the phraseology for it, but you cannot change a law that kills past contracts. Oh, man, somebody put it on here on Spotify or YouTube. or Let me know what that's called. I forget offhand. The agency estimated that if a rule goes into effect, wages to U.S. workers would rise by $300 billion per year, and an estimated 30 million Americans would have better career opportunities. No, they won't. While the wages might go up by $300 billion per year, so will the cost of buying everything out there, and if you increase those rules and regulations and wages some companies are just gonna lay you off and fire your ass you're not gonna create 30 million new jobs it would also stop companies from requiring workers to reimburse them for certain kinds of training if they leave before a certain period of time excuse me but these companies are paying your wages for training and if you don't put in a significant amount of time making it worth their money and they cancel that provision, you're robbing the company of the wages they use to train you. The training repayment program should not be banned. I mean, I'm not going to hire anybody, train them just to watch them walk off in five days, five weeks, five months. I paid an expense. I need to get that back or it doesn't pay me to hire them. Now, as I said, I have no problems with these repayment programs. I have no problem with non compete clauses if they're done correctly. If I train somebody, they learn how to do a job and they leave three days later, five days later, you know. Th- Five months later you know are they going to take my customers with them are they going to steal my customers when they leave that's one reason why these non-compete clauses are in there if you're not allowed to compete for an entire year after you leave the company you're not likely to be able to steal their customers as quickly they're in there to protect businesses from having customers stolen All right, number three. In a city where tree shade is unequally distributed and half the surface are dark asphalt or concrete, the solution to increasing temperatures could lie in design. Hey, Los Angeles has the worst urban heat island effect, a phenomenon in which cities trap and retain heat due to their high concentrations of buildings, roads, and other developments of any city in California. And anybody who has listened to me for a few years or followed me on my Facebook pages and the reiterations of this program, have known that I have argued that heat islands are deceptive when it comes to global warming. I don't know if the temperatures are getting hotter out there. What I do know is cities retain this heat for longer periods of time for the day, creating what could be arguably a false temperature guide. Most official temperature readings are taken from airports. Well, they're in the middle of a heat island, and when those heat islands get bigger, they retain the temperatures longer, suggesting that the earth is getting hotter when maybe it's not. But anyway, let's continue. Design changes that could help the city absorb less heat are underway. These include installing cool roofs coating streets with reflective materials known as cool pavement, and increasing shade by planting more trees. Nearly a decade ago, the L.A. Mayor's Office convened an advisory panel of scientists, and the panel created a computer model of the city's neighborhoods and microclimates. Since then, the city and county have coated more than 150 lane miles of city streets with cool pavement, and the results supposedly say that individual streets can be cooled by as much as 10 to 12 degrees Fahrenheit after the reflective coating is applied. So that sounds good. Alongside transforming pavements, the Cool Streets program is also planting trees, 2000 or so, so far, which Shaw, the program's manager says help keep temperatures down. However, planting trees is not a cure-all because trees can complicate urban heat mitigation in several ways and they can actually emit volatile organic compounds which are organic chemicals that turn into vapor easily the smell of pine is an example in the presence of sunlight these compounds can form ozone actually worsening air pollution, especially from certain species such as palm trees. Trees also block wind from carrying away pollutants. Think of the wind blowing through a canyon and then in a place where there are a lot of elements in the way. Ah, Plant greenery also absorbs more heat than bare soil, which can increase temperatures above a tree canopy. So it's kind of a catch-22 there. You want to eliminate the heat But the greenery can actually absorb the heat and create temperatures above the canopy. So, yeah, is there a real good solution? Who knows? But heat islands are definitely a problem when it comes to pollution. And with that, it's time to take a break. I'll be back in 50 seconds. All right, welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. Uh, this is the main topic, the main story I wanted to get to. Homeland Security Compromised. Uh, let me get back to the tidbit section on that and get that up there. There we go. A new report by Homeland Security's Office of Inspector General shows that the department is systematically failing to revoke tens of thousands of personal identity verification cards that allow staff to enter sensitive, secure facilities and access internal data networks despite being warned about the problem for 15 years. Not weeks or days, but years. The issue is made worse by the fact that Homeland Security's internal record keeping is so shoddy that it was impossible to determine how many ex-staffers have working access cards they aren't supposed to. Like many modern offices, Homeland Security hands out office-unlocking key cards to its employees to make sure strangers can't wander in off the street. And, like most workplaces, the department is supposed to follow a standard policy. When an employee is no longer an employee for whatever reason, their card is to be promptly deactivated. Unlike most employers, though, Homeland Security is a component of the U.S. intelligence community, which is usually an oxymoron, meaning these credit card-sized badges have a grave potential for misuse if lost, stolen, or compromised. Unfortunately for the department, and potentially us, the OIG's latest audit found that's exactly what's happening and on a vast scale. The December 20 report says the department failed to deactivate nearly half of the cards it was supposed to within the recommended 18 hour window after termination. Some PIV cards remained improperly active for months, and over 36,000 may not have been deactivated at all. Those with cards that remain improperly activated, including include employees who were fired, retired, failed background checks, or died. While the cards also grant holders access to sensitive DHS data networks, the department claimed to the Inspector General that the electronic network access keys embedded in the cards were deactivated, preventing access to electronic systems. On the PIV cards, the report's conclusion is blunt. We determined that unauthorized individuals could gain access to department facilities despite what the department says. The auditors also found that Homeland Security may not have withdrawn employee security clearances as required for its over 53,000 former employees since 2021. That's a lot of employees. According to the report, the department disagrees with the Office of Inspector General as to the magnitude of the problem, but not that the problem exists. In a response published in a report, the department says it will implement a series of reforms and improved record-keeping policies to make sure cards are deactivated when they're supposed to be, just as it promised after a 2018 audit flagged the very same failures. That's over four years ago, people. So, yeah, your Department of Homeland Security is not secure. Eh, it's government. What do you, what do you expect? All right, number five. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed the Digital Fair Repair Act on December 28th, and the law will go into effect on July 1st, a full year after it was originally passed. The bill establishes that consumers and independent repair providers have a right to obtain manuals, diagrams, diagnostic, and parts from original equipment manufacturers in order to repair their own devices. This is a good thing if it was done right. I'm all for the right to repair everything sold. An individual with a modicum of skill should be able to take part and repair themselves, but people aren't producing that anymore. You know, how many phones have replaceable batteries anymore? Hardly any. However, the bill was meaningfully compromised at the last minute by amendments that gave OEMs some convenient exceptions and loopholes. One of the most controversial adjustments in the signed law is that it allows original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, to sell assemblies of parts instead of individual components. The bill also won't require OEMs to provide passwords, security codes, or materials to bypass security features. Let's just leave it at that. This makes the bill functionally useless, according to many. The bill also exempts certain industries completely. Including home appliances, motor vehicles, medical devices, and off-road equipment. It also exempts enterprise devices relied upon by schools, hospitals, and data centers. Well, that's a lot of goods out there. You know, home appliances? You telling me I can't repair my own stove? Murder vehicles? I can't repair my own murder vehicle? I mean, come on. One other big amendment referenced in the governor's memorandum includes which historical devices are covered by law or the complete lack thereof. The memo states that July 1st, of this year is the date when devices, quote, manufactured for the first time as well as sold or used in New York for the first time, unquote, become eligible for coverage, implying that the right to repair protections won't apply to anything made before the bill's effective date. And in keeping with my statement from earlier, it should not be retroactive. Law should not be Post-facto, I think that's the terminology I was looking for. You know, it shouldn't affect what has been sold in the past. It should just be on new. I got one more story. Unfortunately, that means I'm going to be running lo- running a little long. Uh, let's see if you can get this. See these two beautiful girls in this picture? Yeah, it all has to do with a police chase. All right, this is an AP story that was printed in the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. Maggie Dunn, 17, and Caroline Gill, 16, cheerleaders for a high school in southern Louisiana died in a collision recently. They are the latest fatalities attributed to accidents during police chases. No, they were not the ones being pursued. They were innocent victims. National Highway Transportation, data shows that 455 deaths were tied to police pursuits in 2020 doesn't state whether they were all innocent or whether some of those were the perpetrators authorities say the officer in the town where this happened joined a chase in a rural parish that started when police in Baton Rouge pursued a man suspected of stealing his father's car His father's car not a stranger's but his father's the officer drove his car through an intersection ignoring a red light and collided with a car with the two teenagers inside in addition a 20 year old brother of one of the young girls was also seriously injured although i have not done so in recent years i have argued in the past that police pursuits should not or should only occur if one is chasing a likely murder suspect. No other chase is worth the risk, and then they need to stop. If my car is stolen, I don't want police chasing it. If a chase pursues, the scumbag who stole the damn car will likely try to escape by speeding and end up either wrecking it or killing others with it. If the police catch up to them, what's going to happen? They're going to use their little maneuver. I can't remember who it's named after. Or they tap the back rear end and it spins out. You know, it could roll in that case. Either way, I'm out of freaking car. And my insurance is going to have to replace it. A much better idea would be just follow the guy who stole the car. Follow him at a safe distance. At a safe speed wait till he stops somewhere hey maybe it's 20 miles 30 miles if he doesn't think he's being fouled he's probably not gonna go that far until he stops then you can go up to him and arrest him quit risking the life of other people and the property of the people who were victimized you know Will that work all the time? Of course not. But at least you're not going to kill an innocent person in the process. It's time to end police chases. And with that, I am going to call it another podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. You know the mantra. Question authority. And always be free.